People in our world are living in spiritual darkness, but the light of Jesus Christ is never dim. In this episode, a testimony of rebirth is told. Perhaps it resonates with your heart. After all, this is your story. Where would I be without your love? Where would I be without your grace? Father in heaven above, all of my sins you erased. You saved me from a life of misery, and rewrote my history. This is my story, and to you be the honor and glory, y'all. Resurrected, born again, no longer a slave of this world I'm living in. Broke the chains that held me down, I've been set free, so let me testify. Glory Land, the disappointment, the addiction, dysfunction, hurt, betrayal, and suffering does not describe the goodness of God. In all of that darkness that you had experienced, even as a young girl growing up at an early age, did you ever possibly believe that Jesus could be real? At that time, no, I um, was not raised in a Christian home. As far as I remember, there was not any discussion of uh, God or Jesus. Um, however, uh, when I was eight years old, I was visiting a girlfriend down the street. I was in the back alley coming home in the dark. Scared because it was dark outside and it was late. And I still, I still feel the, the darkness there. And I just started reciting, and it, it's in the Old English too, which is strange. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And when I think of that now, I mean, how did I know those words? I'm from an unchurched family. I wasn't raised with any beliefs that way, Christianity. Um, um, so I have no idea where that came from or how I, how I would memorize it and say it. Um, and I knew I was saying it to somebody and um, comforting myself with it because I was um, obviously scared in the dark. And so when I think back now, I, I know that um, I've always known that God was around me. Alcohol pulled your family apart. <laughs> was there a moment that hurt you the most? Oh, well, there were many moments, but I would say the first moment was when my mom and dad decided to get a divorce, or my I guess my mom decided to get a divorce. The alcohol in my life at that time didn't affect me. I spent, I spent times watching my mom cry and be up at night, and I'd come out and she'd be crying. And so I, um, I knew something wasn't right, but I actually didn't really equate it with my dad. Um, until I, you know, got older and then realized what was going on was with alcohol. He wasn't abusive. He wasn't, he was a charismatic guy. Everybody loved him. He played the banjo. He was in music bands and whatnot and singing. And, and we'd watch the hockey games together and stuff. So he, uh, he, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on really as a 10-year-old. Uh, sadly, that cycle of alcohol that was there started to become more violent for you and your family. My mother, who I always, I mean, we idolized her, our mother, but she um, married another uh, fellow who was uh, an alcoholic too. And so, but this time he, this uh, stepfather of mine was abusive and to her. Uh, we did not, he did not attack us at all, but uh, 
So the hurt we experienced with my sister and I um, would have been the uh, experiencing my mom in pain. And, you know, so black eyes and calls to the police became a reality for us at that time. Um, but you weren't ever physically uh, abused at all because of the alcohol? No, not, not myself or my sister. He was a very controlling person. So I would say that um, that part was, you know, the hurt, hurtful part and just to see your, your mom uh, suffering, you know, and uh, really not understanding uh, why, you know, this would be going on <laughs> with a, a person that you love, you know, seeing her, her hurt and, and angry too, you know, and she just, later on we learned she didn't uh, have enough self-esteem really to realize that she should get out of that situation for her kid's sake. Sometimes we see in movies where an abusive situation like that is taking place and, and the little children come and gather around mom mm. and jump on her lap and, and hug and hold her. Do you ever have any memories of those moments? Um, mostly I was a person that uh, put my head under my pillow in the bed. My sister was more bold. We got bold and, and decided to phone the police a few times. Um, my grandparents were the big influence in our lives. That was... and my. You know, not to say my mom didn't love us, but um, she was a busy working single mother, you know, and trying to provide. Now, later, that, that same cycle of alcohol uh, affected you more personally. Mm-hmm. When did that begin and, and how did that end? So my doctor said, Laurie Lynn, how much uh, wine are you drinking in a week? It's like, oh, like a glass on Friday. Um, you know, not, this happens, and, and I've seen it in my family, so I knew the lies. I knew um, that this was uh, a problem for me. But it took a lot of years to want to give it up. I was de- in denial, basically. It snuck up on me. I was kind of warned about it from my physician that this can happen in women, especially, but it's like, no, not a problem. Just having fun and just enjoying and, you know, chilling out, relaxing. It's, it's a good thing. Wine touring, all that kind of stuff. It's, a, it's an industry. It's a hobby. Um, and for all of our friends, uh, my friends, it was a hobby and it was not uh, an addiction for them. Many times of glasses lined up, bottles lined up um, in, the, in the years that ensued after that. I don't even know when it really started, the exact time, but more of when I realized it was a problem is what I, I remember. Yeah. You know, when you start sneaking it, hiding bottles, buying cases of, of wine every few days, um, and the money too, I mean, gee, it's expensive to, <laughs> to do this. Um, it was all just hitting all at once, and I know it wasn't my choice in the matter to, to realize it was, it was not a good thing to be doing. It was Jesus that pointed it out to me. Lori Lynn, alcohol had been a major part of your upbringing, and then you began to personally struggle with it. Your first marriage, was alcohol ever a problem in it? Yes, I uh, met my first husband when I was 16. A lot of partying, of course, Um, smoking marijuana and stuff, and uh, lots of fun times too. He was, he was, I, I loved him. He was a he was a, also a very like, nice person, um, other than the alcohol. So when we had a, a stack of beer, back then they were in cases like this, long, and there was 12, and it was stacked in sets of like four all the way up to the ceiling. 
uh, in the kitchen was like, something is not right here. <laughs> and also I was spending so much time not sleeping and being up late and I had to go to work in the morning and work in a busy office. And uh, so I just knew for my own, I didn't, I still loved him. I didn't want the marriage to end, but I had to, to make that choice. And uh, it was sad. It was a sad time for me. Later when you were remarried, interestingly, your husband and you lived out a Christian role. You acted it for 27 years. Explain. Yes, we went through the motions of Christianity. Um, we were churchgoers. We were spectators. We call ourselves spectator Christians. And I also like the term churchian because we, we didn't know we were doing this, but we really didn't have, I had never heard the term relationship with Jesus. But you were just acting out the role. Acting out the role. Yeah, we were acting out the role. And on the outside, looking in, we had the perfect marriage, the, you know, the perfect little churchgoers. Now, you began to realize that living out this role, something was missing, and you began to search for that. Yeah, it was, uh, it, I can only explain it as a uh, aching, a deep aching in my heart, and uh and a, and a yearning, a yearning for more. Like I would look around our, our, our people at the church and uh, I would go like, where's the joy? We're all sitting here, you know, like this. And where's the joy of salvation that I, I've read about and heard about? And, and you know, where's, where's God and Jesus in all of this in my life? How come it's not personal to me? And so, and Dave, uh, my husband also, we, you know, talk about this. And so our friend actually got us on the journey of learning why do we believe what we, why do we believe what we believe? And it was, they call it apologetics, which is a crazy name, but <laughs> um, we started looking into the, the truth and the evidences and all the, you know, he, we're science people. We, we want to we believe, but we want the science and the evidence. So that was a really great journey to um, have the knowledge, head knowledge, but I haven't, didn't have the heart knowledge yet. I didn't have the heart yet. Then the unthinkable happened, a possible betrayal. Yes. <laughs> I guess the Lord knew at this time that, you know, we've been dilly-dallying around for 27 years. It's time to get a wake-up call, and so that's how we look at it now. Um <laughs> It's still difficult, but okay, soldier on. Um, so yes, I got a phone call in 2016 from my sister. Uh, telling me um, that my niece had accused uh, Dave, my husband, of um, sexually molesting her when she was 23. So uh, my first reaction, well, y you know, you hear um, people when they're told something like you're going to die of cancer or whatever, and this is what happens to you. This, your whole life goes in front of your uh, flashes before you, and what is happening here? Um, I couldn't understand it. My, I was oh, just so broken inside and hurting, and I just couldn't reconcile that my lo beloved niece, who I've loved for 20 how old was she then, 27 years, would accuse my beloved husband, two people whom I love the most in the world, of this, of this incident. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. I, I had to have some help. 
I felt like I, I couldn't breathe. It was so, it was just so devastating. And as we went through that, I had to confront my husband with that. I eventually, you know, it took me two days. I had to go speak to uh, someone first, a counselor. And uh, meanwhile, I'm, the whole time I'm just in agony and pain and I can't breathe. And, and uh, he was just a broken person too after I brought it out. Um, so that was really a difficult time for us because I didn't know, I didn't, I, I knew my niece would not do anything to break up our family because we, we, we cared for each other. We were a very small family. So, and I knew my husband would not do this. So where do I go with that, you know? So, um, it, it took me a few days or maybe even a week or two even to just, I just started reciting some Bible verses and I was just drawing near um, to the Lord because I just didn't know what else to do. And, and then it changed everything. Mm-hmm. What happened? Huh. Well, I, I was in my, in my completely brokenhearted state and couldn't think of where to go from here. I um, somehow, I think now I think I was drawn to just stay in the house. I, I saw my husband broken. He was alone. He was, of course, as, as upset as me about the whole thing. He doesn't understand it either. Although at this time I didn't, you know, realize that. But I, I, I just had to, I just broke, I just flew, fell myself right onto our kitchen island, just over my whole body over. And I just sobbed and sobbed. And I said, Lord, you have to help me. I can't, I don't know what to do. I can't live through this. I can't stand the pain in my heart anymore. It was such a deep ache. It was like a uh, being stabbed. And it was, I couldn't deal with it anymore. It was just constant. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't get rid of that feeling of pain. And immediately, like, there's no explanation for this, but just immediately, it was like, peace like instant instantaneous peace I just got up off the laying on the island and I was like huh peace no more pain gone immediately just like that I I can't even explain it to to you Robert it was just a complete transformation of my heart instantly just like that now when that experience happened and you shared it with your husband Mm -hmm. how did he respond oh well (laughs) He um, he was oh so relieved. I mean, he, it's like it was like a forgiveness that he didn't have to ask for. <laughs> he was uh, uh, not alone anymore. Basically, that was when God drew us both together, and that um, triangle of, of growing closer to God and we grow, grow closer to each other because of that. That's what started happening right then, and we turned to the Lord like never before. Dave had read the Book of Job. And all his, he just felt like he fit right in there. And um, I was um, immersing myself as well. And um, Lord led us to a new church and we were welcomed there and people were there to help us. And um, just complete, completely different life from that moment on. Up to this point, you've been struggling, as you mentioned, with alcohol for almost 20 years. <laughs> but freedom did come. God actually pointed it out to me, the Lord, um, that this is not what I have in plans for you, for your health, your healthy body that I gave you, um, your brain, your your body, your liver, all these things. Um, this is not what I want for you. And uh, 
it's a barrier. It's a barrier. And so I guess it was really getting worse. I eventually got to the point where I wanted to stop. It was, it was, and you, you know, you want to be doing the right thing for, for Jesus too. I mean, you can't be out in your backyard in a campfire, sitting on people's knees drinking, trying to tell them about the gospel. <laughs> and so that uh, convicted me. It's like, no, this is not, I can't keep doing this. And then that's when the Lord pointed out to me that if you want reconciliation with your family, with your niece, this, this has to change. You have to, you have to stop and I can help you. And so I begged, pleaded, cried for that to happen. But freedom did come. Yes, freedom, it's a big word. So I was um, in this journey, you know, of these years post-salvation. <laughs> I, I was, the Lord was speaking to me and telling me, you know, you have an alcohol problem. <laughs> other people were, I, I realized it because other people were trying to guide me away from alcohol. And I started drinking alcohol in a black glass, which you can't see through. <laughs> and so, I mean, I was only fooling myself. I, I knew, I knew there was something that needed to change, um, but I didn't want to change it. I liked it. <laughs> so, um, so again, the Lord had to step in and he I, I wanted to stop. I, I knew that it was not healthy for me. I was getting my doctor ordering liver tests for me, asking me the questions. My sister was saying, you know, are you, are you okay with alcohol? Uh, my mom, people were bringing it up. And so it's like, oh, this is not right in the Bible. And then, you know, I wanted to live for Jesus. And so I knew this is not his what, what he wants for me. And so I, I, but I couldn't stop. I tried, I would get up in the morning remorse remorse, everyday remorse. Why can I not stop this? I know I'm, I should be able to do this. Couldn't, so I knew I was addicted. So again, this is <laughs> the story. I got on my knees, I cried tears of, Lord, you have to help me, Jesus. I cannot do this myself. I, I can't, I've tried, I can't do it. He said to me, he said to me, how badly do you want the reconciliation with your niece? And I, and I heard it, and it's like, I, I have to quit drinking. I have to. That's my barrier. I'm not going to get that if I don't stop. So I begged and pleaded, got on my knees and cried and said, please help me. And that was, <laughs> that was January 9th, 2021. And I haven't had a single drink since then. And, uh. Two months later, after January 9th, my niece texted me for first conversation in seven years, or I guess five years at that time, and said, maybe we should get together. Excuse me. <laughs> maybe we should get together. And would you like to meet my girls? And she had two children by this time. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it's like... The barrier was gone. The Lord is speaking. He's, he's answering our prayers for reconciliation with our family. And so that happened. Ah, I got to see her. Um, got to see her little girls. And I'm still praying that that relationship is restored. It's not yet. But we are, um, it's a, it, we're, just, we're just hopeful. I've had dreams. God has sent me reconciliation dreams 
just like meeting her in the park with her children, which was a dream that happened exactly as I dreamt it. And so I know that was from the Lord. And so again, trusting God in the situation and, uh, and just, uh, I know we'll be reconciled someday. I have a journal, it's a journal. I have many journals at home, happy journals, sad journals. This is my journey journal, <laughs> journey with, with Jesus. And uh, I, I write everything in here um, about my journey. And so I actually started this tree um, because I, I started to see a pattern happening when, as you know, as you follow Jesus, you're pretty excited about your new life and the transformation occurring in you. And sometimes you get a little bit maybe overzealous. And, uh, but I wanted more people to know. I, I, people need to know about what Jesus can do in their lives um, and make this transformation for them as well. So I, I started inviting people to things and started telling them about, you know, the church and what's going on there and all the things they can learn and all that we'd learned and about having a good marriage and how to have joy back in your life and just, you know, there's so many facets to following Jesus, uh, and one of them is telling others. It's so symbolic because, you know, there's so many references in the Bible about having a tree planted firmly by the streams of living water, and, you know, we get fed by this living water. And um, so this tree is planted firmly rooted in the foundation of everything I've learned in the last seven years. and in the freedom um, that I now have, freedom from addiction, freedom from fear, freedom from anxiety and worry. I have, um, I have my firm foundation. We can have a full tree. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. That truth is a person, it's Jesus. Jesus will free you from whatever pain, sorrow or vice that has you bound. All you need to do is reach out and ask. But that freedom begins with being born again. How? If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. If you are willing to believe and are open to declaring your faith, call our 24-7 prayer line at one 866 273-4444. If you want to learn more about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it can transform your life, you can request a free Bible by calling toll-free 1-888-482-4253. You can begin your journey with Christ now. I am the daughter of a king. I am loved. I am forgiven. I am free. I am worth dying for. And who Jesus uh, is to me is he's the author and perfecter of my life and of my story. <laughs>